0: How do welcome to Pablo's Vault of Horror, the podcast? Uh, this is a companion podcast to Pablo's Vault of Horror, the radio show, which is available every Wednesday, 10 pm till midnight, on Nova Radio Northeast. Word at 2.5 FM in the Newcastle Gated Area, novaradio.co.uk. If you're anywhere else in the world, ask your smart speaker to open Nova Radio Northeast or download the Nova Radio Northeast app and relax. Uh, well, as part of that show, I play terrific tunes and speak about horror and that and every now and again I'm lucky enough to be joined by somebody to do just that just have a chat about horror and stuff and I was uh, very lucky to uh, have with me recently Chris Cantrell one half of the Delightful Sausage who uh, along with Amy Gledhill of the Delightful Sausage I kind of kicking up a bit of a storm over the last year or so uh really very much made a most of their lockdown i feel uh but chris was up in the northeast recently and uh, got a chance to organize a chat with him so uh i'll just pass over straight to pablo so over to you pablo Thank you Pablo. Tonight I'm joined by a writer, actor, comedian and b proprietor who as one half of the comedy duo The Delightful Sausage and I quote make comedy for the type of weird lads who have mastered the bow staff and think it's cool to show up to a job interview in a Slipknot t-shirt. Together he and his comedy partner Amy Gledhill have appeared on Harry Hill's comedy club night The Mass Report BBC Radio 2's Festival of Funny and their own podcast, Tiredness Kills. He can also be seen in the superb Alma's Not Normal and heard as Dot's Supremo Kenny Baritone on the Beef and Dairy Network. With me now is Christopher Louise, a.k.a. Chris Cantrell. Hello, Chris.
1: Hello, Pablo. How are you doing?
0: Oh, very well, thank you. Very well. Um... Thank you very much for uh, agreeing to speak with me uh, this evening.
1: Always. Looking forward to it. Finally, someone to talk um, about all the weird, horrible films that I like with. Excellent, excellent.
0: Now, we met um, the other weekend at Laurel's in Whitley Bay, a new comedy entertainment venue in the area, um, which brings the first question, really. What's it like being out and about, gigging again, you know, now in the... Current state of the world, whatever version of pandemic we're in. What's it like being back out and about gigging?
1: Well, it's been um, it's been a lot of fun, but sort of quite educational, and I'm enjoying because I've been in a double act for years, obviously, and it's um, quite new to being on my own again. But uh, I find like. It's not like I haven't been performing for four years. So I'm an odd mix of being like more confident than I was four years ago, but I don't quite have the material yet. So I'm building it up. Um, but it, it feels good. It, I don't know. It feels like just um, like I'm getting a feel for it again, and it's I'm enjoying it. Um, so yeah, all very good. And it was lovely at Laurels as well. Like um, as a new resident in the Northeast, uh, like I love Whitley Bay. And, uh, yeah, it was great to be there.
0: Oh, thank you. That's uh, very kind, very kind for our small seaside town. Uh, now, the description I used is taken from the official Delightful Sausage website. Uh, but descriptions of fans like myself aside, uh, how would you describe the Delightful Sausage to someone who's yet to experience it?
1: I would say that we are a northern double act Um which is quite traditional in some ways and we definitely take like inspiration from like double acts of old like uh, Cannon and ball and maybe even like bottom and stuff Uh, but we we tell we don't do sketches we tell weird narrative stories that have like (laughs) twists and horror influences and um yeah so we we sort of do a, like we try and make these mix of very tight stories but also like quite anarchic and fun so it's um, a, a balancing act so people seem to like it um and over the years so we've um yeah got a few more people in and uh yeah it's all yeah it's all good
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big fan myself um who, who would you say are your Comedy influences, uh, and are there any influences outside of comedy that have influenced your work in any way?
1: Like, like I say, I think that, um, what's the word, I think that we get compared to like the League of Gentlemen and Vic and Bob a lot, and they are undoubtedly uh, references that we love, and um, but, um, I, yeah, like I said,
0: I think I've got a feeling that uh, bottom is one that we really like. Mm, yeah, kind of like your, your Vic and Bob, your League of Gentlemen, there often seems to be a kind of like a pigeonholing of um, Northern acting in a way. Yeah, I mean, from an outside perspective, well, mine to be precise, it, there seems to be a Southern bias to comedy. Uh, has that been a barrier or, or a bonus, or am I am I just wrong about that?
1: Um i think that's quite a complicated question um i think i I think in general it's probably been a challenge just because it's like logistical challenges and if you don't live in an area then it's like um it's it's hard to get people to come and see your shows and stuff anyway but obviously if you had and and the reality is that it's london centric so if it's like um hundreds of uh, miles away. You have to consider that. But the northernness is um, something that I think at certain times, because we are northern, and I think initially people, um, what's the word? I think sometimes it might have felt like a hindrance because we're definitely not like, uh, what's the word? I don't think anyone expected us because we're not necessarily arty. Um, but we've just, I think just over the years, some of the, you know, like some of the more, um, what's the word, um, like avant-garde arts publications and stuff, it's taken us a long time to get them on side. But now we have eventually. And I think being Northern is, we've used it to an asset. Um, we've turned it into an asset by making it like writing it into all this stuff. Because we really hate um yeah, we don't want to be like this is working class comedy. We want to tell like proper northern stories that are northern through references, and we don't. We want to do our own version of it as opposed to what someone else thinks is northern. And sometimes that can be um, not the set. like. Sometimes I don't know. Like it, it's just more authentic coming from us. Is basically what I'm trying to say in a really, really waffly way. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I... I think with me, it's kind of like not to knock your Harry Enfields or your Paul Whitehouses or or not, but if for a lot of people, regional accents and characters are, are portrayed by people who aren't from those areas in the first place, it, you know, it kind of gives a skewed representation of those regions. And you know, it, it, it's just good to have somebody who, who is from there represented and have that that voice out there.
1: Yeah, I found in general it's something that you need to um, what's the word uh it's like you have to if you're working with people you have to take them on a bit of a journey you have to you can't just do things without people that aren't from your immediate community and the reality is that when you work with someone who like the production staff and stuff they will tend to largely be southerners so it's like just probably about uh, trying to explain clearly what you think is funny, why it's funny, and if they don't see it immediately, that doesn't mean it's bad, it just means that maybe it's for a slightly different community. Um, it's like a juggling act. Uh, but yeah, we're always trying to strive and also try to work with people or try to um, put people in a stuff that are um, like amazing talents that we're in love with Um uh, that might not have had the opportunity that some of us have sometimes because we know a lot of weird boys. <laughs> and we just, yeah, give them give them an opportunity.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of um, Tiredness Kills, uh, your podcast that you do with uh, Amy. And uh, I just think it, it's great that you're able to expand the double act acting audio way and, um, you know, kind of expand that universe and cast of characters and everything
1: yeah 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 like that's definitely it's like all the rage with marvel and stuff now but mm-hmm. i ab- i absolutely love like that we i remember reading that stephen king um writes um a, like apparently everything in stephen king's world is uh broadly connected and i i okay. just always i've always loved that like like They're not. The characters largely don't interact. But every now and again, um, there will be some sort of overlap. And I just think, I'm just totally in love with that idea. So every time we add a sausage thing in, it's like a character. They don't just exist. They sort of live in a canon. Um, It's like something to consider. Um, It can make it more complicated for yourself. Like we did a podcast that is, uh, we only did six episodes. And we're still planning on doing more, but it's just hard because we made it really complicated and, um, what's the word? Yeah, we made it really complicated and, uh, like, self-referential. So every time it came to making an episode, we had to, you know, like, consult a star chart of all the characters, where what the movements are and, anyway, but, yeah. So I think sometimes we could make life easier for ourselves.
0: <laughs> right, now, uh, before we touch on the, the horror, if I'm not mistaken, as you mentioned before, uh, you've taken up the running of a B and B recently, uh, during the pandemic and everything. If I'm not mistaken, um, what's what's that been like?
1: Yeah, it's just been quite. It's been quite a mad summer, really. Put COVID in Jib's decision to um, pitch in with my in laws' B and B. Yeah, so it's um, it's been quite a mad fractious summer. Of I felt like I've been wearing many different hats at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's been, it's all, it should all be calming down now, it's been, we've put some plans in place to make it a bit easier for me, because so I, and now that the comedy world is, um, what's the word, like, opening up again, like, I can now start to get out a bit more, so, which is good, which is exciting.
0: Right, right, um, now, uh, this is my segue question into the, the, the horror now, we are getting into the horror, um, now, if i not mistaken, I-, I read somewhere that you're currently working on a script, and uh, I was just wondering if you were able to tell us anything about it, and more importantly, is it a horror?
1: Oh, um yeah, it's for a... God, it's, a idea. Oh, God, it's such a horrible idea. Like, I keep start writing and stopping it, but I want to write a... I think I'm going to try and make it as a short, but I want to write a horror film that is based around... Um... Well, basically, like I'm obsessed with the town that Prince Charles built for fun. Um, so I want to make a horror film that's basically about a um, folly, the, a folly project of a weird aristocrat. Um, but it's all very uh, loosely bullet pointy yeah. <laughs> at the minute.
0: All right. Well, as a concept, I'm very much on board with that. So you've just definitely got one ticket sold, or one DVD purchased, or one YouTube video watched, whatever it would be. Now, um, speaking of horror, now is there a horror film that you think doesn't necessarily get the the love and adulation that you think it deserves? Something that's uh, slightly more more maligned.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for, yeah, thank you for bringing this to me. This is the question that I've been thinking about all day. And I think the answer has to be um, all of the films from the Phantasm series. Are you familiar?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Phantasm. Um, I mean, uh, it, it it kind of lost track with many of the, the later Phantasms, very much like the first one. And... Um, you know, it's not necessarily whether it's a, a good or a bad film. I'm a big fan of, like, bad films like your B-movies, your Basket Cases um, and, you know, your, your other kind of video nasties. I was a, a big fan of once they were getting re-released in my um teenage years. But, uh, yeah, i I'm say big fan of the first one, but I, I think it kind of got away with itself a little bit um, after after that. So, as a franchise, just a, just a hard one to, to, to pin down for me.
1: Um, I would disagree. I would say that the tale of um, the tale of like sort of a- aliens stealing human bodies and taking them to another dimension gets clearer and as the stakes get higher. What I really like about them is like a lot of these films don't really the sequels all take the same characters further down the same road, so that I think there's quite good continuity. Like, by the last films. The guys from the first one are now, like, 20-year veterans of an interdimensional war. Uh, and I think that's brilliant. That's exactly my cup of tea. And, yeah, it's not really good. <laughs> and a lot of it's quite bad. But, um, yeah, I, I I love it. I love it.
0: Well, right. I think in all fairness, any film which has got, like, kind of stainless steel spheres with like, knives and drills that pop out and stick in people's heads. I mean, they they generally, anything with that's going to have my vote.
1: So, um, (laughs) yeah, that is such a cool villain, and so is the tall man.
0: Yeah, I think it's the little hobgoblin things that I'm confused by, and the the kind of connection between the three, the tall man, the spherical balls, and the 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 hobgoblins. I mean, do, do we even know what the, the hobgoblins are?
1: Or? I think they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they do explain it. I think the. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know about the balls, but I know that the... Um, the goblins are the corpses of the humans that they've been stealing, and they've shrank them down. <laughs> like, this, they're stealing dead bodies for some reason, and I can't remember what that is, the tall man is, like, their leader or uh, emissary or something. And when they've taken the bodies and done what they wanted to do with them, um, they, what's the word, they, they they shrink, the process shrinks them and they become these little hobgoblin guys, like, absolutely <laughs> deranged, really. But I I, I think it's cool.
0: Well, I mean, I might give Phantasm a, another go. I'll, I'll give it another crack. Uh, now, we do like to ask all our guests here the, you know, Mount Rushmore of horror, you, you know, your four main peeps, um, your Michael Myers, your Freddy Krueger, your Leatherface, your Jason Voorhees. Um, if you were to keep one and consign the other three to the dustbin of history, which one would you keep and which which other ones would you... um? Dispatch
1: of oh, um, god, I would keep Freddy Krueger out of that list because I think, um, I think like this might be like Leatherface and Michael Myers. Who was this? Who was the third one? Uh,
2: Leatherface, Michael Myers,
1: Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees. I think the. I think Freddy Krueger's an interesting one. I think the other three are kind of variations on the same sort of character, which is probably sacrilege, and I'm probably going to get outcast by the community. But um, yeah, that's—I'd say I keep Freddy because I think he's the most interesting, and I think the dream that is a dream parasite is very cool. No, I mean, uh,
2: to be fair, I think it's literally a case that I think. Leatherface was first, and then I think um, uh, I forget the order, but yeah, yeah. Jason's the uh, copy of of Leatherface, and then um, Michael Myers is a copy of Jason Voorhees, or e- e- either way or shape or form. So it is it's that kind of new killer thing. I mean, you can't you can't blame them for the way they are in a way, but uh, and obviously
1: Freddy Krueger is um, you know kind of a, a child abuse and murder, yeah. but you know that, that but also. You know, but also a comedy character well that's it and to be fair whatever you've done Hello? if you get if you can leave the room laughing then you know have you really done anything you' yeah, probably... are like why why did they kill this really funny child murderer like he's so funny <laughs> i think that's that's the angle that these films never explore properly yes, i mean he, he killed this kid but you know I'm laughing so
2: maybe the kid was a one. You know, nobody's really explored that. And I think that's that's something that could be explored. In the new remake, I know they made a little bit of a, like, cack-handed attempt
1: with uh, that. that, Yeah, that's so boring.
2: Well, they they, they really went quite heavy on the child molestation. Like, what what was always not really mentioned, they just said that, you know, he killed kids. There was no real specification on that. But in the remake, they were they really went heavy on
1: that, and I, I don't think that helps any any film really. So no, no, uh, yeah, they took away the heart of it, and Freddy Krueger was so serious in it, wasn't he? And it's just like I don't why, but why bother remaking it? Like why, Like what have you achieved? Well, the answer is money. Um right, that, that's like, ultimately
2: it. Uh, I mean, a new line, probably somebody, some executive producer bought a fancy car. Um. Now, if by some weird quirk of fate, reality and fiction merged and you had to fight a horror antagonist, um, who would you choose and how do you rate your chances?
1: Um, who would I choose? Who would I choose?
2: Personally, I see an obvious answer here, but, um, you know, each of their own. Well, I, are you on about out of the far? No, 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 I mean, ignoring the four, you can widen the scope as far as you can go. You know, just any horror antagonist, if there's, you know, whatever you want. Something that's in a scary film that's the bad guy. If you think you can take them down in the fight, I would like to know who and why and how.
1: Let me have a think. Um... I think I could definitely take out of the running Chucky. That's the correct answer. I would drop kick him. You know,
2: I will say, out of all the iterations of Chucky, all the Charles plays, the remakes, all this sort of thing, at no point has it been established, other than the fact that he's got the, the soul of a serial killer or is some sort of, you know, sentient killer robot thing he's still just a toy the, 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 at no point have they established the fact that he's really strong or he's really you know he can hypnotize oh, oh he's just a toy yeah uh, so exactly. i don't understand the threat level personally you'd be, you'd be freaked out for a second and i can kind of understand why he keeps picking on andy because he's just a kid for a while but um but ultimately i mean you know it's it's I'm, I'm often kicking my kids' toys to one
1: side or the other. I think I could take Chucky. He's, he's an easy target. As a father. But they, they, they always show a lot with Chucky. It's A lot of it's off screen, isn't it? Like, he doesn't do that much himself, but when they come back and they find that he's, like, tore someone to pieces.
2: There's always the little running legs under the sofa. That's that's all you get to see. But ultimately, you know, I mean, he's, he's mostly fluff. Uh, fluff and plastic I would assume so you know and I think he just, he's just hes I mean he's no pinhead let's say that I mean, oh pinhead, fucking hell pipe. yeah yeah love pinhead In, infernal sources and all that sort of stuff but uh, you know Chucky yeah he, he, he was a bad man but now he's just a weird toy and you know burning that's what I say anyway um, <laughs> um let's have a look here uh, Yes, uh, just completely gone off my random notes and found. That's a... Okay. Um. Oh yes. Um. Now, as I've met, asked earlier in regards to a specific film that you don't think gets the attention, is there a specific horror film that you find a lot of people really like that is ultimately a bit bobbins?
1: Um. Is it? Is it okay to say The Shining? I- I'll accept it. I may or may not agree, but I- I'll okay. accept. I just maybe I, like I've not watched it for years. Maybe I was too young when I watched it, but it's like, oh god, I just was so, like bored, and um, it's like quite an illogical. Like, oh god, I think it means that I'm not good at art, but um, just didn't like I-, I couldn't really tell you what sort of was happening or why, or but maybe that's because no, I- it's like pro- it's proper art, not like.
2: Well, to be fair, I can, I can empathize because I've had a steel disc cover
1: five-movie set of Blade Runner sitting on my shelf for about Oh, ten. my God. I can't um, believe we just said that. I hate, not hate Blade Runner, but fucking hell, can, Blade Runner. I've tried to watch Blade Runner, like, four times. It's so boring. Well, that's it. And I, I've got this, like, brilliant director's
2: like five different versions one where Decker does a narration one where he doesn't do a narration one where the US coat one. but I I just don't have time in my life to watch any of them let alone five of them so uh, it's just sat on my shelf
1: for about ten years and I've I've never given it more than a second look I started watching the new one so I got a new telly and I wanted to test a a good looking film on it but the new one seems great which I know is probably sacrilege. Well, but I, I know Dave Batista's in it. Um, yeah, Dave Batista. No messing around. You know, to be fair, like I am a fan of
2: uh, wrestling. albeit, will like harking back to bygone days, but uh, if there's
1: anything of a wrestler in it, I'll watch it just as a matter of
2: course.
1: I'm not. I was into wrestling, but then I'm not. Um, but I just like really. I really like Dave Batista. I think he's like, despite being absolute as big as a mountain, he's a very um, he makes he's a very small, delicate, considered actor, and I think that makes and him really interesting to watch.
2: And if, you, if well, I um, mean, purely based on social media interview, he's a very sensitive, well-mannered gentleman as well. From what I understand, very yeah. principled. Well, he had that whole Marvel thing where he probably wasn't going to go back to Guardians of
1: the Galaxy if. If um, Gunn hadn't got back on board, but... Upset. Yeah, well, they've written, him, they've written him out now, haven't they? Like, he's, um, he's left the franchise.
2: Oh, no, no, I think he, I've, I, think he might... The, the initial thing was he wasn't going to be, if Gunn wasn't involved, but now Gunn's back in, he might be in the next one,
1: but in a limited yeah. capacity. It will be I a th- squadron, isn't it? I think that they're killing him off in this yeah. one. But I'm not sure... Um, yeah, no, I think I think there's a good chance for that. I will say, I
2: will say. Now, um, obviously, I've taken uh, a huge amount of your time, and I appreciate every single one. No month, uh, But I would be remiss if I didn't ask uh, the most important question of, of the hour, which is, uh, what's your favourite Corn
1: song? Oh, um, "Make Me Bad Again" is the one that I listen to uh, kind of on loop. Is that one of their more recent tracks? I'm, I'm trying no, to No, that's from, I think, oh God, what's the name of the album? The one that Todd McFarlane illustrated. Oh, Follow the Leader. Yes, I think so. Yes, oh no, I think. Uh, Basically, Corn's uh, one of these bands that I used to listen to, but then over the years, it's like I stopped listening. Turns out they didn't stop making tracks and they've just been, <laughs> um, they've just well, been going. Never, they've never stopped. They've done, uh, they've
2: they've kind of become a little bit um i don't know they're they, trying to tap into uh, a bit of a grateful dead kind of vibe i don't know that. yeah possibly. possibly
1: i know i know that jonathan davies from corn does um he like goes and sees the troops a lot do you know like that sort of thing in america yeah. which is very american but um like yeah they're patriots
2: well, I always remember a call. The
1: inter- the interesting
2: thing I remember about uh, was the Jonathan Davies. That's that's him, isn't it? Um, yes. He collected sex furniture and serial killer memorabilia. He owns Ed Gaines' car that he used to go about picking up ladies in. Oh God! Well, that's horrible, isn't it, but Is it? Yeah, and I remember watching what was probably the equivalent of MTV Cribs at the time, and he was saying, oh, this is games car. He took out the passenger seat so he could lay down uh, people he'd uh, kidnapped before he murdered them.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I've got oh, to dig that. deleted, but it's... Uh... <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it keeps that quite quiet these days. <laughs> well, I say, is it, you know, supporting the troops.
2: Anyway, um i very much appreciate you, your time chris is there uh, any kind of social medias or anything that anybody
1: can um jump on board or download or purchase um i would probably just check out uh the delightful sausage website um and we've, we've recorded our last show but it won't be ready until late december slash the new year so um i am a little bit early but yeah check out keep an eye out for that there's a mailing list on the on the www.delightfulsausage.com and uh, yeah you'll soon be able to buy our show that was nominated for the Edinburgh award uh, which is very 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 silly well i mean uh, that's
2: superb and, I, and also you know rest assured when uh whenever this interview goes out um, I'll, I'll detail that after this um, but uh, yeah whenever this uh, the special comes out I will be letting um, all of sundry know I'm all about pumping the wares of uh, um, yes. the people and, uh, and you are one of those people so you're always welcome back to Pablo's Vault of Horror and uh, thank you very much for your time
1: Oh, well, thank you very much Pablo and uh, yeah uh, th- thank you for having me on can't wait to hear it
2: Oh, brilliant. And um, thank you very much. I'll just uh, hand back over to Pablo in the studio. Over to you, Pablo.
0: Well, that was a lovely chat with Chris there. You can find him at thedelightfulsausage.com and uh, just... Just do a general search on YouTube. And that Alma's Not Normal is on the BBC iPlayer right now. And, uh, yeah, loads of stuff. I recommend very much the, I think, Merry Christmas, Christmas Market. It's something that him and Amy did um, for last year's Christmas, which I think is still as relevant today as it will be for many more Christmases to come. Uh, But thanks again for... Chris there to um, well to come along and agree to chat to me. So hopefully we'll have some more of that sort of thing in the upcoming weeks and months but in the meantime if you want to listen to me on a weekly basis, Pablo's Vault of Horror on Nova Radio Northeast every Wednesday 10pm till midnight on novaradio.co.uk um, But yeah look after yourself and if I don't see you beforehand have a merry, merry Christmas. Alright I'll see you on the other side